Hello and welcome to Are You Weezer Fan? As always, I'm John here with Bill. We can stop doing this once we make Weezerpedia's list of Weezer podcasts. <laughs> the show that brings you the chronological story of Weezer history, music, and lore. Bill, what do we got going on today? We are about to explore the time in which Maladroit entered the world. We're going to cover the years of 2002 and 2003. I really like doing these episodes. They're fun. They're fun. They're interesting. We get a break from the Weezer of it all a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. Uh, but yeah, Maladroit years in review, 2002, 2003. Uh, obviously with Maladroit dropping May 14th, 2002, less than a year after Green drops, um, we're just coming in hot, picking up right where we left off. So Yeah, we're going to cruise through it. Again, the point of these is to... One of these episodes is to establish the world in which these albums are coming out and the world in which Weezer is hitting the road, trying to figure out when the world turns on Weezer and what settings are needed for Weezer to be successful at any given time. Okay. Because, you know, we're about to maladroit dips a bit from Green. Probably because it was 364 days after Green came out, but... Let's see how wacky things we're getting. Well, Bill, before we jump into how wacky God things we're getting, <laughs> I warned you I about this forget last this night. Bill, it's 2002. Where are you at? I'm 12. Um, What band am I in yet? I think the band I'm in doesn't have a name yet, but we are covering Hashpipe by this point. Okay. And probably, uh, what other one did we do? Saying it so. Um, yeah, that's about it. I think 2002 pop punk was in my life, Green Day and Blink, and um, we're one more year until punk rock just really becomes my whole personality for a while. Okay. Um, I had a little bit of pop punk in my life at this time as well, but uh, as a 10 year old, I was still just mostly base, uh, baseball all the time. But this is really when video games started getting huge for me. Like two of my biggest mm -hmm. friends in school mm -hmm. were two of the kids that had the craziest setups in their basement with, you know, all the newest consoles <laughs> and different things going yeah, on. As you do. Uh, so, yeah, this is when I really started getting into my nerdiness um, and started getting a little bit of pop punk as well. Uh, we'll get into that later in this episode, I'm sure. We'll get there. But, Bill, without any further ado, should we just jump into 2002? Yeah, let's get into uh, the post-9-11 of it all in the world. Well, it doesn't start great. Um, January 6, 2002. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Boston Globe releases a report that details tons of sexual abuse in the catholic church uh, i mean that actually is a good thing it's not the sexual abuse but the report coming out right it, it is actually a very good place to be at where it's finally coming to light completely agree with you but uh sucks that it's happening it sucks that it continues to happen uh february 6 a little bit better queen elizabeth hits 50 years of reign as the queen of england is that better you know I mean, I guess it's better than sexual abuse in the Catholic Church, but... It's definitely better than sexual abuse Here, we will, Wait, church, wait, wait, wait. We can actually get better. I see your next one. Do that. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you for not stealing that from me. Uh, yeah, in February, there's the Winter Olympics in Salt Lake City, Utah. I, like, kind of have a memory of this happening, but... I also vaguely... Yeah. yeah. You know, like, you start to pay attention to the Olympics later, I feel like. I don't know any kid that's obsessed with the Olympics. Yeah, uh, and then later in the year, in June, there's a World Cup. Uh, it's held in South Korea and China. Uh, South Korea, as a nation, gets their first ever World Cup tournament win, and Brazil ends up winning the entire tournament. So that's that's fun. That's good. Uh, November 13th, there is a really bad oil spill, uh, the Prestige oil spill. Uh, November 19th. Uh, you, you remember this? Michael Jackson holds a baby off a balcony. It's not just a baby. It's blanket. The dangling blanket off that balcony. Man. Yeah, that's not good. And you said blanket is now like a YouTube star. I do you believe uh, 
he doesn't go by blanket anymore. I think he Why changed. would he? <laughs> That's completely reasonable. Change his name to uh, I don't know. Is is it Biggie or BG? I don't know. You can find him on the internet. Just search Blanket Jacks and it'll correct you. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and then late in the year 2002, December 27th, uh, Kenya holds their first free elections. So, you know, free elections, the right to vote, that's always a good thing. I don't know any more details or any of that, but... Good for Kenya. You know, at least on its face, that's a good thing. That's fun, right? Yeah. Bill, you watch movies. I love what movies. movies? <laughs> uh... This was a pretty wild year for movies. Um, we're we're about to hit the nonstop onslaught of franchises dominating the box office. Right, like the uh, top ten worldwide are uh, Lord of the Rings: Two Towers, Harry Potter: Chamber of Secrets, first Spider Man drops, which is a massive. Okay, I, I guess kind of ties into our Weezer story too, because superheroes and nerd culture are about to explode into the mainstream. Yeah. Whereas like a while ago, Spider-Man would not have been able to make a successful film. Yeah. No, before this, you had like the shitty Captain America made for TV movies. The, I mean, the Superman movies were pretty good in the seventies and eighties. Tim Burton, Batman series already died off into Batman and Robin. Yep. Um, what Star Wars is being bad? Attack the Clones comes out. Okay. Um. Yeah, that's not good. Our uh, Men in Black Two is also not good. No, there's there, there's a lot of uh things going bad. But I mean, also like uh, Chicago comes out. Chicago's great. Okay. Uh, Eight Mile. That w- that movie definitely had its day. Eminem definitely had his year in two thousand two for yeah. sure. M is about to pop up in our music section a lot too. Yeah. Uh, Ice Age was a big one for me as a ten year old. Um, yeah. Lilo and Stitch. All right. Yeah. We, we got some fun ones further Lilo down this Stitch list. Is way better than Ice Age. Yeah. Absolutely. In my opinion. Yeah. Completely agree. Um, our boys we talked about earlier, Jackass the movie finally comes out. Okay, uh, we got ooh the live action Scooby Doo with uh, yes Freddie Prince Jr. and Sarah Michelle Gellar. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, who ended up getting married at some point? <laughs> Apparently, and that always blows my mind when I remember that. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, and then Punch Drunk Love. Okay, solid, solid movie. Resident Evil franchise movies start. I saw that in theaters. It was it's terrible, but I liked it at the time. Okay. Uh, and then TV, I'm looking at, doesn't look super great, but there is something that we really wanted to hit on because it's massively important. Yeah. Um, I think we're talking about the same thing. American Idol premieres. Oh, no. I was talking that Steve got replaced on Blue's Clues by Joe. Fucking asshole. <laughs> Um, yes. But I guess we can talk about Kelly Clarkson first. Joe did enter the chat. Um Yes, American Idol premieres, and it kind of changes. It's a different step for reality TV in the U.S., but it's also just generates this weird pop music. Maybe it doesn't generate the resurgence, but it's kind of the pinnacle of this pop music area. You know, am I getting this across of what American Idol felt like? I think I was still a little bit too young to really know what these first couple seasons like felt like in a bigger way. I know that for me, it felt like it was annoying as hell because I didn't like watching it. Yes, agreed. And again, just on the precipice of entering my punk rock eras in life, it was like, oh, they just want people that just sing like normal. But Kelly Clarkson won the first one. And okay. I, th- I really think she's the only one that, like, matters that has ever won one of these things. I think there might be, like, one or two more that you and I, like, aren't thinking of because they were in a season that we never even heard of. And then they were able to, like, somehow make some offshoot careers. Maybe. I mean, when, but we, were, I have no when we were talking about it, though, anybody that did ring a bell didn't even win. It was, like, second place people or, like. What? Yeah, good point. A lot of second place people have gone on to uh, actually do some things. What's his face? Daughtry, like, didn't even make the top whatever, and now he's a band. Yeah, okay. All right. 
Is there anything else important for TV for us? Oh, the Osbournes come out, and that's also interesting shift in culture. It it really feels like that kicked off a a, a different type of reality TV where you just like watch celebrities be dumb, and in this case, it was Ozzy Osbourne just be an old man walking around his house. Yeah, what what was that horrible show where they got like B-list celebrities to share a house together? Oh, I think that one's real life, and I think that's 2003 because I saw it on one of these lists. Okay, well, we need to find that during one of the breaks because that was, like, yeah, I, I think you're totally right. Like, this is that kind of... Reality TV at this time is fucking weird. It is. Everything... And anything that can be thrown at the wall to see what can stick is happening. Uh, and at the time, I hated most of it. But yeah, now oh, going sure. back, I think uh, I should have watched more of these garbage TV shows. I don't know. I'm okay with my my intake of garbage TV. Okay. Uh, another hugely important one to us, I love the 80s. Oh, our, our research assistant? I love that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, I'm really glad we hired that guy to just be one of our biggest research assistants. So oh, thank man. you. I love the 80s. Yeah, we got to start watching clips from I Love the... Do they even, even have they, that, they, 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 they do, they do, because I think they called it 2000s, and like by the time the last episode premiered, it was like the year before. It's like, yeah, I remember this. It just happened. Yeah, it just fucking happened. Remember COVID, Bill? Oh, God. Jesus Christ. Thank God there's not an I Love the 2020s. The, I Love the 20s, right? Yeah. Jesus, no. I don't um, want it. Uh, Bill, why? Why? I'm, I'm looking at this next thing, and I, I, I vaguely remember writing something here, and it looks like you have deleted what I wrote, and you have added... John, because we're still covering the births of celebrities, and... We- no, we're not. No, we're not. No, we're not. I don't... Like, I, I'm done. I don't care. No, well, we're not. Well, we're running out of musicians, but uh, Finn Wolfhart, who's in a music video you enjoy... John. I don't like music videos, Bill. You like Pup, and Pup has a music video featuring that one of those Stranger Things kids. I think they have two music videos featuring that Stranger Things kid. See, look at you. You know things. Ah, fuck you. Also, um, Jenna Ortega was born. Go okay. watch. Go watch Wednesday. It's pretty fun. Yeah. Well, people died. You want to talk about that, John? I do. Thank you, Bill. <laughs> Get out of this birthing. <sighs> Fuck's sake. Right. I just want to listen to music. Uh, okay. So deaths. Letha, uh, Lisa Left Eye Lopez. R.I.P. R.I.P. She was just trending the other day because some football player's house caught fire. <laughs> and that's very funny to me. That's pretty dark. Okay. Uh, Waylon Jennings goes. R.I.P. R.I.P. Actor Richard Harris. Who's Richard Harris? Should I know him? Probably, yeah. Who's Ted Williams? Should I know him? Yeah, absolutely. Ball player. No, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Also decorated fighter pilot. I don't think you should know. <laughs> that he's a decorated Dec- fighter pilot. Yeah, I think it would be weird if decorated fighter pilots, if that was their only accomplishment, were household names. That would be pretty gross. Okay. Uh, but, you know, baseball Red, star. Red Baron. He's got a pizza named after him. All right. Yeah, no, that's reasonable. <laughs> that's fine. I'm wrong. You're right. Uh, Jam Master J, that was in 2002. Yeah, that's a bummer. And then uh, Lane Stanley of Alice in Chains, that was in 2002. That the, I don't know shit about Alice in Chains. Is that the singer? Uh, yeah, no. Lane Lane was the vocalist. Got it. That checks out. Yeah. Uh, Anyways, yeah. There's, there's, there's music that I listened to that came out. That Well, no, this is probably a pretty bad example with what we're about to do. Uh, Nickelback had the number one song of 2002. What? No. John, Nickelback was the biggest band in the world <laughs> for a while. I I know, but also looking at the rest of this list, um, it feels weird to me that Nickelback was number one. The fact that they're in the top five does not at all surprise me. The fact that they beat out the two Nelly songs that are in here uh, does surprise me a little bit. How you remind me, man. You cannot deny how you remind me by Nickelback. It is crazy that Nelly has two songs in the uh, top five of the year. What's the rest of it? Uh, Shanti with Foolish. 
and then Nelly Hot and Her, and Nelly with Kelly Rowland. Yeah. Dilemma. I don't know if I know that song. You should. It's good. Uh, and then The Calling with Wherever You Will Go. Oh, you just had to say it out. I was like, what's that song? And now it is stuck in my head. Yeah. Oh, damn it. <laughs> damn it. Now it's stuck in my head. Well. Wherever you will go. Uh, Lincoln Park, in the end, made the top 10. That's pretty fun. Okay. And there's your puddle of mud, blurry. Like, uh, post-grunge is here and making a dick load of money with puddle of mud and nickelback. And I don't like it. Uh, we got Avril Lavigne Complicated coming in at number 11. That's a fun one. Jimmy World the Middle at number 14, holding over from last year. Did not know that song was that popular. Wow. Oh, yeah. No, the middle is a Utah. Um, what else do we got? We got some P. Diddy, Usher, Mary J. Blige. So yeah, because of this, like this is what's rounding out a lot of the top 20. We got J-Lo, Ja Rule. Um, the fact that Nickelback makes number one instead of three, four, or five is a little bit surprising to me. It It is like, like we said, um, when the first hip hop albums were starting to dominate, in the 90s when we were covering our years in review back then that hip hop and R&B were going to be the number one things pretty much for the rest of when we do these. And apparently Nickelback is the uh, exception, at least for songs, because albums kind of lean more towards what I think you're thinking. Yes, because albums were getting into Eminem with the number one album of the year with the Eminem show. Nelly with Nellyville. So we've got two kind of not quite self titled. <laughs> yeah. Fair. Um, Avril Lavigne comes in at number three and with Let Go. Surprising. I did not expect that. Yeah. Then we got uh, Dixie Chicks, now known as just the Chicks with Home. Uh, apparently, the Eight Mile soundtrack also sold like fucking crazy this year because I'm showing that that's the number five album of the year. I think that makes sense. And then Pink comes in uh, with Misunderstood um, at number six, and I might have some of that ordering wrong, but that that feels right. Yeah, like that does make more sense. Less uh, less guitar rock bands in the top, which is what it usually is, and our uh, little. As always, surprise country, like just bam, it always happens where you're just like, what's in the top? Oh shit, country. <laughs> oh shit, there's at least one. And but interestingly though, like throughout the entire time, it's been mostly female fronted country. Yeah, that's been coming out of nowhere. That's very true. I think we had I, we've had some Shania Twain, we've had some Faith Hill. Oh, I think it was a Garth popped up earlier in the '90s. I think <laughs> I can't even remember. Yeah, wow, wow, we've been doing this too long already. I know, I'm sick of it. Uh, good music came out too. I'm not sick of that. Yeah. Uh, we got some pretty good albums coming out in 2002. Um, Beck drops an album, Sea Change. Foo Fighters, one of my favorites, drop an album one by one. Uh, Coldplay puts out A Rush of Blood to the Head. Uh, Taking Back Sunday, Tell All Your Friends, definitely one of their biggest. Is that the one with the baby or the one with the exit sign? Yeah, exit sign. Oh, nice. Yeah. 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 Uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers keep making music. Um, I just learned that By The Way was its own album. I could have sworn those songs were still all just off Californication. I, I looked it up to make sure you didn't huh. like fuck that up. Make a typo. I was like, by the way, no, 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 you mean Californication. Wrong. Incorrect. All right, good. Um, Joey Ramone's, I think, only solo album before, well, it actually came out after he died, but the only one he recorded, um, Don't Worry About Me, came out, and that's got the uh, uh, What a Wonderful World cover on it. That's incredible. Okay. Um, the fall of Blink-182, the seeds are being planted. Boxcar Racer happens this year. Yeah, it's not good. It's, it's not great, that Boxcar Racer album. Shut up. That album's amazing. <laughs> Is it? I will change my pick of songs that I'm about to play right now. I swear to God. All right, never mind. Boxcar Racer is good and fun. Uh, Travis Barker also hangs out with Tim Armstrong and Skinhead Rob and makes the transplants. Okay. Uh, 
I'm, I'm still looking at this. So I think in 2002 at the time, the album that came out that was the most influential to me when I was 10 was Good Charlotte's The Young and the Hopeless. Mm-hmm. Uh, the two albums that came out that probably stuck with me the most and I listen to the most to this day, uh, Newfound Glory, Sticks and Stones, and Queens of the Stone Age, Songs for the Deaf. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Songs for the Deaf were, was a big, like... I got a hot Queens of the Stone Age take for you. Um, okay. Though I love it, it's their worst album. That is hot. That is too hot. It's a spicy you take. <laughs> I do think Queens got to ride the um, new metal post grunge wave a bit. Like I think that's what helped get them into the circulation mm-hmm. and out of their because like stoner metal was never gonna make it on MTV. But well, and also Dave Grohl was was on this album. Yes, that's a that 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 was a big major help, help for as sure. well. But yeah, they got uh, some radio play, some good singles. Um, Thrice's first good album comes out, Illusion of Safety. And CKY's second album, Infiltrate, Destroy, Rebuild, which was a game changer for me, for sure. Because, again, CKY's been on TV for years now, so everybody knows who CKY is. And when they finally put out this album, it was massively successful. I mean, no Nickelback, but... Man, yeah, because that's that's uh, that's first song of the day. We got to listen to the number one song every year. <laughs> no, it's going to be stuck in my head forever. Right? Like, can't we just kind of sing it to the audience for 15 seconds because everybody knows it already and then we can just be done? No, I'd rather not do that. All right, Let's fine. Uh, how do you remind me? Nickelback. All right, so here's the deal. Musically, that song is boring at best, I think. Okay. Um, lyrically, I really, 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 really wanted to hate it because if you read these lyrics, uh, they just kind of ooze like I am 14 and this is deep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. But it turns out that these lyrics were actually written for a contest by a local eight-year-old. John, nobody's listening to our Patreon-exclusive episodes to get the thick-as-a-brick joke you're making right now. Nice plug, though. (laughs) I was going to say, that motherfucker can really sing. It was my takeaway. I really think he can. I did not mind him. Yeah, I think he's got a decent voice, but I don't think that a song like that should I think, have I think it so made... many complete musical pauses just to let what is a pretty decent voice shine. Like, no, it was it was, it was too much. I think it makes perfect sense that that's the number one song, though. It's catchy. It's fucking repetitive. The lyrics are just like anybody could be like... <sighs> Couldn't make it as a poor man. I feel that. <laughs> also, remember that song came out on nine eleven. Oh Just no! Don't don't forget that. <laughs> Never forget. <laughs> Lord, fuck's sake, Bill. What do you want to listen to? Ooh, hooray! Um, I want to listen to um a very fun band, a very cool band, a very important band put out their first full length this year and that is against me released reinventing axel rose and i want to hear the song walking is still honest i think it's one of my favorites okay walking is still honest off of reinventing axel rose 2002 let's check it out That song. I like that song a lot. That was fun. It I, made me sad. It's a yeah, sad song. Yeah. Well, 
the thing like the thing with against me is those earlier albums ha- do have like a sadness to their anger which is great and maybe there's something more hinted to it after Laura transitions very publicly um later on in life and has albums dealing with it and when you read her autobiography kind of talks about just like so much emotions going through her body at that age and like trying to figure out essentially like why she didn't feel right in her body and Mm -hmm. it comes out with like i mean she's mad at a lot of other shit too because you know punk rock but you can really feel it i think man that was solid yeah i wanted to say i didn't pick like an important song but the start of against me is pretty important I mean, not started the band. They were banned for like six years before they came out. But, you know. Good band. Good song. If you don't know them, look them up. It's just good shit. Um, John, you are hiding what you were going to play for me. Uh, but then I also plugged it earlier. Because in 2002, um, I was just really starting to heavily get into video games. And... I distinctly remember. So like I'm I'm 10 years old, right? I am hanging out over at a friend's house who had all the latest and greatest video games mm-hmm. and a trampoline and Yu-Gi-Oh cards and all all this fun stuff. So we would just hang out fucking constantly. And his mom would burn me CDs. Ooh. And one day because I'm 10, <laughs> The two CDs I asked for her to burn for me are Aaron Carter's Aaron's Party. Delightful. Are we about to listen to Aaron Carter? And Newfound Glories, Sticks and Stones. Oh, okay. That makes more sense. Um, so probably my most played song. It, this This might be the pop punk song that I've listened to the most ever out of any pop punk song because of how much mileage I gave it from like age 10 to age 15 when I realized that there was other good pop punk besides just this album and Green Day's International Super Hits. <laughs> and that was my fault. These things happen. You got to learn somehow. So uh, let's check out track four, four off of Sticks and Stones, something I call personality. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, that riff, those <laughs> drum hits, like that that's just good fun pop punk right there, Bill. Oh man, that uh this year we me and my friends also learned how to play my friends over you. As well you should. Yeah, so our repertoire of hash pipe and my friends over you was uh, crushing. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that song's great. It really shows the uh like goddamn newfound glory when they hit that halftime like kind of breakdown is always so good. So good. Oh, man. That was fun. I'm really glad we got some fucking excellent rock and roll in 2002 Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to kind of bring up from the bummer that was uh, Nickelback's How You Remind Me and uh, just the weirdness of 2002. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. I love some Nelly, but I'm more of a country grammar guy than a hot and her. So, you know, it wasn't my year. Um Vice City came out in 2002. Why do we keep forgetting <laughs> we keep fucking video, video games, Bill? So I, yeah, because yeah. you made uh, me talk about uh, people who were <laughs> who were born. So I figured I'd, I'd fucking do. drop that real quick oh, before uh, we, we move before over. Before we to, go into 2003. Yep. Yay. Let's dive in. You know what, Bill? Fuck you. No, I'm still mad. I'm gonna, I'm gonna you you read what happened in 2003. I'm gonna look at video games in 2002. <sighs> I'm, I'm, I've added it to the future outlines now. <laughs> I typed it in. We won't forget next time. I good good. Okay, but you already said Vice City. Um, year it, it, 2003. Oh, Kingdom Hearts. What? 
February 1st. John, I don't know if you can do this over this bit. Uh, the Columbia Space Shuttle exploded, killing seven astronauts. Spider-Man PS2. Fun uh, game. Um, those, the Chicks, as we mentioned earlier, one of the best albums of the year, most selling albums of the year, uh, got boycotted by all their fans because they were ashamed that President Bush was from Texas. I played a lot of 007 Nightfire. Um, it had multiplayer for the first time in a while. You could play his odd job. The hat was OP. It was fun. There's no good GoldenEye sequels. Uh, play Nightfire. It was good. March 18th, it. The Da Vinci Code, the book came out. I forgot why you thought that was important, but you're reading about video games now, so we're going to keep going. Because The Legend of Zelda The Wind Waker was a pretty good Zelda game, if I do say so myself. Uh, March 20th, the United States invades Iraq for reasons. I don't know what they are, but they said they had them. Definitely wasn't because Hitman 2 Silent Assassin was an excellent fucking video game that came out in 2002 that you just wanted to neglect. Bill. Remember when the PlayStation Network went down and then we killed uh, Osama bin Laden? <laughs> Wait, hold on. You you even got that wrong. We didn't get. We didn't kill him. We just captured him. No. What? Wait. No. We captured Saddam. Oh God. No. I'm just talking. <laughs> oh, you're you're just since making you're shit interrupting up. Interrupting me with uh, no, oh, no. Okay. Fuck's sake. All, right, all right. We're almost there with Hussein. We're we're cruising. I swear. This is this is as unhinged as that whole recording process for Maladroit was. Yeah. This is the worst thing we ever decided to do uh but super mario sunshine is a magnificent and in my mind still underrated game even though it's kind of come back around i agree but on august 1st myspace launched and that actually is a big game changer in music and we will have to bring that up in later episodes about how that affects releases of songs from now on yeah okay fine um Schwarzenegger is sworn in as the governor of California. Hey, you're back. <laughs> Saddam Hussein gets captured in December. Um, yeah, and then they don't kill him for like four years. That was crazy. I thought it was like right away. Yeah, and um, Metroid Prime comes out. It's a world event now because every time Metroid Prime drops, it's uh, one of the highest rated games of the year. It's done it twice now. Welcome back, John. Um, did you get that out of your system? I think so. You wanted to talk about uh, the MTV Video Awards? Yeah, this was the one where uh, Britney and Madonna made out and Christina Aguilera, but they missed that because they were filming Justin's reaction. And the controversy was so huge, not over the fact that like a 45-year-old was kissing a 19-year-old. <laughs> But the fact that the it was fact too that late they were is... Both, that's how far we've come. I Jesus mean, you know, Christ. things still kind of suck, but uh, man, we've come a ways from 2003. Yeah. Wow. Movies happened again, as they always do. Movies are terrible. <laughs> uh, again, franchises, though, just dominating. Return of the King. Both Matrixes are in the top ten. Matrix Reloaded and Matrix Revolution were two of the highest grossing movies of that year. That's insane. Yeah. Um, I mean, Finding Nemo, which isn't really a franchise, but yeah, did get like it, four sequels at this point, I think. Yeah, um, it was before Pixar became a franchise maker. They were just making good movies. Well, I mean, but Disney is a franchise maker, and here we come with Pirates of the Caribbean. This yeah, Is this the Jesus. first Johnny Depp Pirates yeah, yeah. of the Caribbean mm -hmm. that comes out in 2003? Yeah. The same, uh, this same year, I think Haunted Mansion came out, and the year before Country Bears came out, they were just throwing all their rides at the walls to see if any of them would make a franchise, and they got one. Okay. Rounding out the top 10, we got The Last Samurai, we got Bruce Almighty, uh, we got Bad Boys 2, we got, uh, is that X-Men X2? Yes, X2. What you got going on? Okay. Um, and then some other movies... Of note, Lost in Translation, obviously a classic. Kangaroo Jack, a ridiculous one. The story but, uh, of all that's so fun. If you've never seen that movie, it still blows my mind. There is not a talking kangaroo in that whole movie. It's in one dream sequence because some guy gets knocked out. It was what? It was supposed to be a movie about drug smugglers. <laughs> and they got chopped to death so hard that when they finally got around to advertising it, they were like, uh, advertise the bit where the kangaroo is wearing a bucket hat. 
that only happens for like 30 seconds. Okay. Uh, we got Kill Bill, which was probably my first Tarantino. Ooh, nice. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that was like a big event for sure. That probably got a lot of us into Tarantino. Yeah, I'd say so. Uh, Freddy versus Jason was a fun one 28 days later. So we got some good fun horror. Yeah, not all of our superhero movies are connecting yet. Um, we have Ang Lee's Hulk and Daredevil, which Ben Affleck Daredevil did not do too hot. Also, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, amazing comic book. Sean Connery quit acting because of the movie was so bad. That's the last thing. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's that's the, the last, last movie he ever did, and he said, "Nope, done." Just yep. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to do this shit anymore. Huh? Wow. Well, on a brighter note, Elf came out. Christmas classic. We do love Elf. Uh, and probably the most important one on this list, Cheaper by the Dozen. <laughs> I was going to say Scary Movie 3. Oh, really? Okay. Um, scary Movie 3 is the best scary movie, and um, I'll fight anybody that says otherwise. Yeah, but looking at this list that we've put together, I think the actual best movie that came out in 2003 would be School of Rock with Jack Black. Ooh, damn. That is a good one. I don't know. It's musical and it's guitar rock, so I want to say it pertains to our Weezer story, but I don't think it does. It did um, create... I mean, Tenacious D was, like, (laughs) just on tour with Weezer. Oh, that's very true. That's very true. That guy that... that, like, just happened. Yeah, that guy that opened for Weezer was in a really (laughs) successful movie. That's true. You're right. sick, yeah. And also, that movie did inspire actual music, like, schools, school of rocks to pop up over the country and help kids play music which is fucking amazing uh we also had some fun tv in 2003 yeah to tie it into the osbournes um celebrities being stupid dumb idiots the simple life comes out oh man i never watched any of that show but i've definitely seen some clips and wow yeah like we were this time period we were really into just like celebrities are dumb idiots (laughs) and we're gonna watch them not know how to drive a car but like we're still there to an extent. To an extent, I think it's it's gotten better. Like we don't harass. We tell people not to harass people online anymore because we know celebrities are people, despite what the Muppets would tell you. Right. Okay. That was a the Muppets <laughs> reference. I don't think the Muppets have any connection to the Weezer story, Bill. <laughs> It'll fight you. Uh, more in TV, we get. Uh, the debut of Queer Eye, that's fun, and that also is, yeah. earlier than I expected. And it was like a controversial show to come out because, get this, the guys are gay. What? Pretty sure they're queer, Bill. It's fine. It's in, it's, in, it's in the title. It's in the name. These queer guys and their eyes. Again, it was. At, and at that time, it was called Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, yes, wasn't it? Correct. This is before they just uh, changed it. Yeah. Huh. Because, you know, they had to. This is about the time where the term metrosexual started to come about. Do you remember that at all? I do. It was just essentially. Distinctly. Trying to call a straight man gay, but not. But it was just because he, like, took a shower and would do his hair. So he wasn't straight. He was metrosexual because he... Because you, you, you dress gay and you act gay, but like no, it's, it's 2003. It's just straight I, up like you care about how you look. You can't be straight. So we're going to make up a new word for it. <laughs> it's really stupid. Tight fitting shirt. Metrosexual. Metrosexual. Fucking weird. Uh, Bill, back to TV. We never left. <laughs> We're still talking about to, it. What, just back to a different show oh, because yeah. I, I can't just talk about the weird metrosexual obsession that existed for a couple of years. Well, can we, we can talk about America's Next Top Model and the other side of beauty standards and fashion that everybody wanted. Also, I think not a great thing. Yeah. This show, um, it debuted in 2002. When did it start, like... Being insane was I, it always I insane from could the beginning? Not tell you, I'm gonna assume it was probably the worst towards the beginning, and then they probably made it better. I am not a next top model fan. Okay, I am a fan of the Venture Bros, though, which premiered in 2003 and ended a couple months ago. 
wow, really a 20 year reign for, I mean, I know they took a lot of years off and weren't, weren't always active. They, they, they were never not active. It just took them so fucking long to put out every season. It's only, there are only two guys that ever wrote on the show. The creators never hired any other writers like storyboarded everything themselves. So like when it took a fucking while to get something out, they just like waited. Yeah. Mm. They put out seven seasons in 20 years. Okay. And then the second, um, adult swim got a new person in charge over at Warner brothers. They canceled it immediately because like the straight up, the guy in charge at Warner brothers liked the show. And that's the only reason they let it stay on the air for 20 years. The second he was gone, he went, what the fuck is that we're wasting money on? Canceled. Yeah, get that out of here. Okay. Speaking of canceled animation immediately, Stripper Stripperella came out on Spike TV, the network for men. The network for dudes. It was Pamela Anderson voicing a animated uh, stripping superhero created by Stan Lee, air quotes. I think he did do it. That seems like something he would do. Okay. That's really weird. I never watched that one, but like I totally did watch a little bit of a, did you you remember Drawn Together? Yes. It would have come out much later. (laughs) I remember Drawn Together. But like, you know, weird late night adult horny animation. Um, If I had known about it, I probably would have watched it. Oh, we're actually only one year off from Drawn Together. Oh, man. Okay, then, yeah, I probably would have loved Stripperella at this time. What I did love at this time, Mythbusters. Oh, yes. I Got watched, it. like, probably every single episode of that. Um, I spent... Um, I think in some later seasons we get the, that blonde girl who was in... Oh, uh, yeah, that uh, band that was pre-Weezer. <laughs> yeah, in... Yeah, Scotty Chapman of Mythbusters uh, was in... Uh, Fuzz? I think it was Fuzz. God, I think it was Fuzz. Oh, man, we're going to be wrong. No, I think you're right. Okay, we're going to go with Fuzz. Yeah, I actually spent uh, Christmas Eve in Blackhawk watching Mythbusters marathons on the hotel room TV. Okay. We get some more continuation of, um, I mean, we've talked about this in all the years in reviews where first the X Games start to happen. And then we see more and more of the like skateboard extreme sports culture really taking over the mainstream. Right. Uh, Jackass has already happened. Um, we've got now Viva La Bam coming in hot. Yes. Doing um, essentially the same thing with the same cast of characters. They are. Apparently they were told that like they couldn't do Jackass on TV anymore. And that's why they made the movie. And that's why Viva La Bam is more of him just like pranking his parents instead of them hurting themselves by jumping off shit. Right. Okay. They they were just like, please stop inspiring children to hurt themselves. Well, and also just with this weird pranking, we get punked. Yeah, that's very true. And again, it's like a weird culture of at the time, it's okay to laugh at celebrities. (laughs) It's like, oh, they're famous. It's fine. Look at how mad he is. Yeah, look at this stupid piece of shit. He was a stupid idiot. He thinks that this car got stolen. He's, uh-huh. he's mad about it. Uh-huh. What a moron. <laughs> You're just like, whoa, dude. Like, Right. I, I remember one. I think it was Hillary Duff. That like. Uh, that girl from Cheaper by the Dozen. Yeah. That girl from Cheaper by the Dozen. Um, I, I, I think it was her. And they punked her for like a driving test to get her license. It's just like, that's fucked up. You've already got somebody in like a high anxiety situation and you're just going to fuck with them. Like, but it's okay because she's an actress. (laughs) (laughs) It just isn't the vibe anymore. I'm glad it's not the vibe anymore. Yeah. And Bill, I'm uh, ashamed to say I didn't scroll down far enough because Arrested Development came out in 2003, and we should have been talking about that for five to ten minutes, but we're not because we've talked about TV for way too long. Yes. we got to move on. Yes. On to um, births again. No. Uh, we no, have, no, no, but, no, 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 no. Bill, Bill, Bill. Olivia. Bill. But no, no, no. <laughs> Bill, we're not doing births. But, I'm, I'm not, not fucking doing this. 
we we said we were done the last time we did this episode. You made me do more just last year on this same episode. We are done. We are done. We are done. Olivia Rodrigo was born in 2003. On to deaths. Okay. All right. We won't be covering anybody under the age of 21 on births ever again. Yep. I'm Olivia just, Rodrigo is the last person that was born on our podcast, and I'm okay with that. I'm just going to replace that birth section with video games. Let's do that. Okay. Yeah. Mr. Rogers died. Are you happy now, John? Are you happy now? No, I'm not happy now, Bill. I'm not. Because I still don't see the fucking video game section on this outline. Like, you <laughs> promised me you wrote in, you son of a bitch. Uh, Mr. Rogers is dead, and Bill doesn't know the outline that we're currently working on. Uh, actor John Ritter dies. Bob Hope dies. Barry White, Catherine Hepburn, uh, Johnny and June Carter Cash both died in 2003. Oh, shit. Oh, that means that this was the year that that album came out, right? And that Hurt dropped? Oh, this would have been yeah, when he, Johnny Cash releases his cover of Nine Inch Nails Hurt. Hmm. Elliot Smith also dies. Hey, uh, that's the guy that... Was dating the, the girl that uh, gave the album cover for Pinkerton to Weezer. Wild. Wild. Man, it really does. Like, I thought we were just kind of bullshitting these episodes, and here we are just living in It's Weezer's world, and we're just living in it, John. I hated that. <laughs> Much well, like I'm not a huge fan of uh, the number one song this year. You don't like In the Club by 50 Cent? It's fine. Um... Well, then you gotta like the artist at number two. And that's what bums me out so much because I would so much rather listen to the song Remixed to Ignition by R. Kelly <laughs> than I would listen to the song In the Club by 50 Cent. Uh, but to my understanding, 50 Cent is not nearly as bad of a person as R. Kelly has been proven to be. I think 50 is an all right guy. Is it 50 or is it 50? I'm going to see if I can find this out. But, um, shit, I only remember Crazy in Love. What was before Crazy in Love? Okay. Wait, before Crazy in Love, we get Sean Paul Get Busy. There it is. At number three. And then number five, where I more expected Nickelback to be sitting, we get Three Doors Down with When I'm Gone is the number five song of the year. That's crazy. I don't even know if I know that Three Doors Down song. And it's number five for the year. Fucking post-grunge just had a grip on society. Because <laughs> isn't, uh, I mean, I guess I wouldn't call them post-grunge. Isn't Matchbox 20 floating around the top five, too? I mean, I don't see them on any of our lists. Yeah, Matchbox 20 unwell. Ah, okay. Made it to number six. And then we're back at the, oh, that Kid Rock song featuring Sheryl Crow happened. <laughs> Picture. Your female country stars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're making the top 10 every year. Do you think she still hangs out with Kid Rock? Um, I hope not. Ooh, Bring Me to Life by Evanescence was the number 10 song of the year. Well, and they were the number four album of the year. Oh, shit. Yeah. That's um, interesting. So, and you know what else is interesting? Because we've talked about this in previous episodes when we do this, that typically the biggest singles are not coming off of the biggest albums. Right, right, right. No. Oh, yeah. Look at that. Into Club by 50 Cent is the number one song that comes off the number one album of the year, 50 Cent's Get Rich or Die Trying. Solid. And then... Nora Jones has the number two album? Yeah, dude. Weird. Dude, I've got like 15 ants, and I can tell you <laughs> that Nora Jones was absolutely the number two album of this year, because well, I think my mom bought 57 copies of that album. Well, these three, four, and five make a lot more sense to me. Linkin Park Meteora, which was just like whatever the opposite of a sophomore slump is, like they came in so hard off hybrid theory. Uh, Evanescence Fallen, and then... Outcast, Speaker Box, Love Below. I have issues with this. Why? I don't know if the charts we're looking at for our 
top albums of the year do it. But Speaker Box Love Below is considered one of the highest selling albums of all time. I believe it's in the top 50. I tried to find, like, I when I'm looking at these, I always try to find something that was released in January of the next year. Yes, yes, yes. To yes, tell yes. me, like, you know, what sold the most right now. Because we talked about uh, Blink 182's, um, was it Enema or Jacket? Enema. Uh, Enema. No, wait. Or, well, Jacket's their number one. Right. So it's like at some point where it's just like, did it sell that much that year? No. But when you look up lists from that year, you're going to get the like multi, multi platinum that have happened year after year after year because the album has legs. Um, John, this is not what I'm mad about. Well, then I apologize. <laughs> Continue. Billboard counts a double album as two sales every time one is sold. Boo. Yes. It's infuriating. If you look at the top list of like most selling albums, like double albums pop up way more because they're counting them as two. And that's outrageous. Also, I don't think this should be an outcast album. It's an Andre and a big boy album. They're not on each other's album. Speaker Box is Andre 3000, Love Below's Big Boy. This is also the last music anybody's going to get out of Andre for a while. I didn't know any of that. That's insane. <laughs> Fucking read up on your outcast, John. I, I need to. Um, But what we need to talk about right now is... Some rock and roll. Bill, it's, was 2003... Like, looking at this list... 2003 might be one of the most influential years to my taste in music. Like, holy shit, we get so many albums that I still listen to. It is one of the biggest years in, like, fat record sounding punk rock. Probably one of the biggest years in punk rock since 94 when Dookie came out with Dookie Offspring. It, it's that level. The Blue of Album? Also came out in '94. Yes, it so. did. I'm talking punk rock, John, not um, Weezer. Not not power pop. Power pop. <laughs> well, John, let's rattle some off. Uh, Blink 182's untitled album drops. Okay, uh, a, a band that I've never really gotten into, but people keep telling me that I should. Muse drops Absolution, a band that we both love. Brand new drops uh, Deja. Yep, Deja um, and Tendu making their like. Big step onto the mainstream. Speaking of mainstream, AFI comes out with Sing the Sorrow on DreamWorks Records. That's the first time I experienced a band being called a sellout in real time, which was pretty funny. Okay. We've got, uh, it's a big year for Ben Gibbard. Uh, Death Cab for Cutie drops Transatlanticism and Postal Service drops Such Great Heights slash Give Up. I like just learned probably this year that it's the same guy in both bands. <laughs> and it's oh like, man, I got to work a death cab and postal service show. Oh yeah, because he's doing the, both of them and it was so good. He's doing the tour for these albums right now. I know. It's so fucking good. Uh, what White Stripes album is this? Like what's Elephant. on, what is on Elephant? Seven Nation Army is on Elephant. Oh fuck, though. okay. So Seven Nation the, Army, one of the biggest rock and roll songs ever since 2003. So now that we are like more than 20 years past this, right? Mm -hmm. If we're going to talk rock and roll between 2003 and 2023, Seven Nation Army is at least a top 10 song, I think, regardless of who you talk to. It could be number one. It's like, got to be up there with crazy. Mr. Brightside. Like, it's, it's one of the most played songs of my lifetime, yeah. for sure. And I'm still not sick of it. It's really good. I can never be sick of it. But I'm not going to have us listen to it later. Speaking of things I'm sick of, uh, The Strokes. I really don't know anything about The Strokes. Well, then how can you be sick of them, you I son don't of know. a bitch? Is this uh, a good one? Room on Fire is good. It's not their best, but Room on Fire is a very good album and a very fun one. Um, Fall Out Boy, not Cork Tree. So is this their second like mainstream one? I don't know. Did we might still be pre-cork tree, or am I totally wrong? We can't um, be pre-cork. Are we pre-cork tree? I hope so. But yeah, Take This to Your Grave comes out in 2003. Uh, we get, wow, Mars Volta 
Deloused in the Comatorium. Uh, that album's so good. That album's so good. Uh, now, my love that you probably don't, Bill, A Perfect Circle drops 13th Step. Um, no, I don't. Take This to Your Grave is their first album, so we're before Cork Tree. And that's what I thought. Wild. Okay. Uh, what I consider to be a cheap Australian knockoff of the White Stripes, a uh, <laughs> band called Jet Drops Get Born. Wait, Jet's Australian? Yeah. You might remember their uh, big song, Are You Gonna Be My Girl, uh, which sounds a hell of a lot like the White Stripes screwdriver guitar riff. Just going to say. Um, Yellow Card Drops Ocean Avenue. That band is better than that song. You should listen to that band. If you I haven't. don't know, man. That song is really fucking good. I know, and the band is better <laughs> than that song. Ooh, can I rattle off some of the uh, more punk ones I have on here? Yeah. Well, actually, I'll start less punk. Uh, Code and Cambria's In Keeping Secret Silent Earth 3 comes out. And the year before, uh, we skipped it, but in 02, they came out with Second Stage Turbine Blade. So like, Ooh, yeah, we did skip that one. Kohai. Coheed is hitting the fucking mainstream here in just a second. Uh, Strike Anywhere's Exit English comes out. No Effects' is War on Errorism comes out. Uh, Streetlight Manifesto, Everything uh, Went Numb comes out. One of the best ska records ever recorded. And if anybody in my band hears me say this, um, don't beat me up later. You realize that like one of the guys in your band does our video promos and actively listens to our show, right? Yeah, and I know he despises Streetlight Manifesto and says it's not ska. So I'm going to apologize already. Okay. Can we listen to 50 Cent before they come for me? No, because before we do, Bill, I have to mention that in 2003, uh, an album that nobody's heard of or nobody cares about dropped. It was called Welcome Interstate Managers. But it was by a band called Fountains of Wayne. God damn it. <laughs> that dropped what is one of the biggest one hit wonders of our lifetime off of this album, Stacy's Mom. That's right, John. Congratulations <laughs> for getting Fountains of Wayne in again. Yeah. I hope you're proud of yourself. You know. <laughs> I'm also seeing that it was a down year for video games so i feel I like you're stalling from playing in the club you're off the hook i am stalling from playing in the club. just play in the club and then we can listen to some of our tracks and then we can uh wrap it up and start learning about this tour for maladroit tony hawk's underground <laughs> the simpsons hit and run uh jack two which was a to a jack and daxter right Tony Hawk's Underground, that means... Yo, yo, biggest game of 2003 before we hit into club. SpongeBob SquarePants Battle for Bikini Bottom. It's not even the best SpongeBob game. It's not. Into club. 50 Cent. All right, Bill, what are your thoughts on uh, 50 Cent's Into Club? I get why that's number one. That song fucking rules. It's catchy. 50 Cent's a good fucking rapper. It's a party jam. I do not disagree with anything you're saying. I also think that... Uh, I'm not a big fan of this era of hip hop. It's I think rough. This is a pretty rough era for me. Um that was a catchy beat, a catchy tune, lyrically absolutely fucking brutal. Um well, I think that's like it doesn't feel as 2003 as a lot of hip hop coming out of 2003 sounds. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't sound like a black eyed peas song. It sounds like in the club by 50 cent. No, but also I think a lot of stuff and we might see this more in Oh four Oh five Oh six. Um, I think this being the number one song of 2003 dictated a lot of the shit that was happening afterwards. That's very true. Yeah. And what I didn't like about this in particular was, uh, the kind of epicness of like the strings and and I think that was emulated a lot 
and I could be horribly wrong on this, but uh, I, that I didn't like, and that made me feel uh, like where I was at at the time. That that really <laughs> yeah. brought me back to middle school, and in middle school, um, I begrudgingly listened to the local uh, hip-hop radio station just because that's what everyone I knew was listening to at the time for the most part. You were listening to KS 107.5? Yeah, I was. Unfortunately. But you were not into club middle school. I hope not. (laughs) That's not a no. I was not. Um, John, I don't want to listen to Fountains of Wayne. Can I pick the next song? Yeah, Bill, I've listed five bands as a possibility for me to pick. So, yeah, but, yeah, pick the next song. What are we listening to? What's, um, you, what's your pick? This uh, again, great year for punk rock. The Distillers put out their last album to date. Um, they actually broke up a little bit after after this album came out, and since they've reunited, they have not put out a new album. They have put out a couple new songs. But I want to hear the song Die on a Rope. Because I fucking love this song. Yeah, that's what I sound. Ah, so good. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. That's just fun. Um, if I'm remembering correctly, um, that was the album, first album that came out after lead singer Brody Dale broke up with Tim Armstrong of Rancid. That is a kind of her breakout breakup album. Okay. And Rancid put out an album that I fucking hate called Indestructible, and that's his breakup album, and actually put out the one of my least favorite songs of all time, Fall Back Down. It's, it, huh? Yeah. Wow. I, I, yeah, I don't know. That's uh, the least favorite song of all time. It's fucking from it, a it, band it that I know that you off. like. Like that's it that's uh, that's a high off. bar. Yeah. It's what? Well, like he did the like his whole album's like, oh man, she left me, but at least my friends are here to cheer me up, and it's like. No, dude, you took like this underage girl from Australia and just like forced her to come to California with you. The whole thing's rough. I think Brody needs to work on her, her taste in boys. Because guess what? She went right into a relationship with another older man right after this. We know him. We know him well. Yeah, it doesn't end well. <laughs> Anyways, but oh, it, it is like a, the, the lyrics are like pretty fucking scathing and I like it. But the one I wanted to point out that I fucking lost and wait, so you you gave up on finding the lyric? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're we're not even dead airing at this point. You're just you're just saying fuck it, we're done. I dead aired so you can cut it. Okay, I'll cut that dead air, but leave it in to make it look like a dumb, make you look like a dumbass. I'll put in fifteen oh, more seconds of dead air. Hey, the fact that I don't double check these before you put them out, you can make me sound like anything, John. That that is. That is what you get. Yeah, good point. I mean, in all fairness, we wrote this yesterday. <laughs> We're not doing well right now. We're doing great. Which one of these bands am I going to hear, John? Bill, we're going to listen to the White Stripes. Hey! Um... We're not going to listen to Seven Nation Army because okay. you know me. I typically don't like to listen to the top single on an album if it's an album that I like and care about. Uh, so we're going to listen to... I can't decide what my favorite song on this album is, so I'm just gonna have to make a choice. Um, no, I'm gonna make you make a choice. Bill, one or two? Uh, two. Two, okay. The Air Near My Fingers. that band bill i love jack white on a piano <laughs> this fucking sounds so good 
Right. And I feel like uh, the first couple White Stripes albums were explicitly guitar driven. And then there were a lot of piano tracks that came in later. Yeah. And then you start mixing the both in and goddamn, the man can play <laughs> some keys. Good song. Good choice. I can't believe how big of a song Seven Nation Army is. I know we specifically picked not to listen to that one, but it really says something about what you can do with one guitar, drums, and vocals. Right. You can mine simplicity and still have it be excellent, right? Like... Things don't have to be complicated. You don't have to be all over the place. You can just have one drummer and one guitarist that know what they're doing in playing their instruments and know what they're doing in writing songs for their uh, strong suits, and you can make the biggest song of a generation. I'm very interested to see where guitar rock ends up in the next couple years that we cover. Because I'm still shocked to see any of it in the top albums or songs, and it's still popping up. Bill, I'm still shocked that uh, two people that we have brought up in the movies section of these episodes are uh, people that have formerly opened for Weezer. (laughs) That's true. Apparently, if you want to make it in Hollywood as an actor... First, your band has to open open for Weezer. For Weezer. And if you want to make it on a Discovery Channel reality show, you need to play with some of the members. Okay. Yeah. So uh, get into Goat Punishment if you want to uh, reboot Mythbusters. Mythbusters. Yeah. That's a good call. Okay. Or Cash Cab. I'll settle for Cash Cab. Also, same. (laughs) (laughs) The show was fun. Um, John, I think we did it. I think we did it. There was more Weezer in this non-Weezer episode than I thought there would be. Yes, I'm. maybe we're just too down the rabbit hole and we're seeing Weezer everywhere, but I do think that... I'm interested when they become a cultural punchline, essentially. Like, when does Weezer start to become the butt of the joke? I don't think we're there yet, but I think we're close. I'm... Guessing red. Yeah. Yeah, that would make sense. We'll get there. We're almost there. Weezer's in Weezer is just we close to there, Bill. Sprinkled in the pop culture zeitgeist in two thousand two, two thousand three. It's getting there. Okay. Yeah, uh, because they've got two albums out. Island in the Sun is still gonna get some radio play from now until the end of time. Mm-hmm. Um, Maladroit isn't, but the Weezer fans are aware of it, at least. Yeah, because I'm going to watch the Keep Fishing music video until the day I die. As well you should. Bill, there's just one more thing we got to do. Yes, John? You Weezer fan? Yes. Yes. We'll see you next time. Uh, Bill, where can the people find us? You can check us out on Twitter or X at A-Y-A-W-F pod or just search Are You a Weezer Fan? And we are on TikTok and Instagram at Are You a Weezer Fan? All right. Uh, yeah, and don't forget, you can also find us on Patreon. That link is going to be in the description if you want to uh, support us and get some fun bonus content where we listen to pretty much exclusively non-Weezer music. Uh, we still talk about Weezer, though. It happens. Um, yeah, we'll see you next time.